It is Monday, January 22nd, 2024. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is not my man, Trevor Plouffe. That's my buddy, Jolly Olive. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. Plouffe off vacationing, hobnobbing with all the rich and famous. And so one of the biggest grinders we've got at the company is helping us out yet again. How are you, bud? Rose, I'm good. I'm glad to talk to you today. Got some fun relief pitching to talk about. You know, that'll be mm-hmm. some of our topics today. Uh, good. Had a good weekend. Ready to talk some ball. It's been a while since I've been on baseball today, so I'm I know. here. Yeah. I, you know what? I think the biggest change is that you're now uh, parting your hair in the middle. We've <laughs> gone with a totally different look like here. Man. It. It's like you barely I know. recognize me. It's crazy. We're, we're, you really changed things up. I know. Got to keep people on their toes, Rose. Yeah, I know. I like it. I, it looks good, though. I appreciate what it. Is the, uh, what, what does your girlfriend think of this? Uh, she was an enforcer in the decision. I think she wanted. Oh, she wanted. A little, she encouraged it. You know, she didn't make me do anything, but she thought, "Hey, you might look good with this." She gave me some inspiration pictures, and then one thing led to another, and now I got new hair. And I think I think it. it looks good. I don't know. Looks great. You you did a good job. Appreciate. All it. right. Uh, so if you tuned into Friday's show, Cliff and I talked about the possibility of a reported Josh Hader to the Houston Astros deal, and we were like, "Okay, you know, sounds great, mm. but here's 15 reasons why it doesn't make sense." <laughs> And then we joked, you know what? Probably in a couple of hours, things will change. And literally like 30 minutes after the show got released, sure enough, Josh Hader has reportedly signed. It hasn't become official yet because he hasn't passed his physical. A five-year, $95 million deal. So, Jolly, I ask you this. After a rather quiet offseason, is Houston now the team to beat in the American League? I mean, it kind of never felt like they weren't, you know, I mean, it's always good to be their top dog until they're not. Obviously, they weren't the AL champion this year, but it's still the Houston Astros. You still have that fear of heart. And um, for them, they build what might be the best bullpen in baseball. Now, they're going to lose Naris, hypothetically. They might lose Phil Maton. But their back end of that bullpen is very impressive. You have Ryan Presley, who has a lot of postseason experience, has been under the lights plenty. Brian Abreu had a terrific season last year where he was essentially the best pitcher in baseball, if you can include relievers. And now they add Josh Hader on top of that on this five-year deal. They get him back. He was originally a Houston Astro way back in the day uh, before a big deadline trade with the Brewers sent him to uh, that path. Uh, so I like this move a lot for them. He gets $5 million less than Edwin Diaz, making him, I think, the second highest paid closer in guaranteed money. Uh, I know that he had mentioned he wanted to be the most expensive closer ever. He didn't quite get that mark. But uh, it makes me think about what his market actually was. Was there a lot of interest in Hater? Were teams kind of reluctant to give away that big reliever money? In the end, he ends up a Houston Astro. Yeah, I do think um, it makes them the team to beat if we're answering that question. The back end of the bullpen, right? You, it's like those great Yankees teams in the 90s right. and early 2000s. Like, you better get to them before the seventh inning or you're going to have a real tough time. Makes me think of the mid 2010s Royals, too. Kelvin Hilsera, yes. Wade Davis, Greg Holland, that yep. kind of thing. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so, anytime you can shorten games and you still have decent starting pitching, you're going to be just fine. I am curious to see how this works out. Part of my reluctance to put him on the Astros was. One was financially. I mean, Jim Crane has just he doesn't do this right. sort of stuff. He's never given out more than a four year deal to a free agent. This one is five. He had never given out more than fifty eight and a half million dollars to a free agent. This one is a huge jump right. from that to ninety five million. On top of that, there's an article out there that says, listen, they have they talked to Ryan Presley throughout this entire thing. You're not just replacing your closer, but a leader in the clubhouse, and most importantly, 
a dominant force come October. The guy has it's been more than 22 consecutive scoreless innings for him. So you're not just replacing a guy who's been the ninth inning dude. You're talking about a guy who has been the dude. It was interesting. The Astros had their fan fest this weekend. I believe there were 17 big leaguers there. Presley was the only one that didn't talk to media. And I don't mm. blame him at all because I think he's still trying to formulate his thoughts and deal with this whole thing. But I found it fascinating because they say, hey, listen, he was on board with it. He's okay. That's fine to hear from other people. I want to hear it out of his mouth. And more importantly, I want to kind of see the reaction on his face with this. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough pill to swallow. I think there's there's a a weird, you know, titular thing with the closer role in general, like you are the the head honcho of the bullpen. And Presley's earned that spot. I mean, his regular season numbers last year are are good. They're not exactly the lights out numbers that you want out of a closer. I don't think I would have put him in my top five, excluding playoff performance, because I do think mm -hmm. that puts him an edge over other uh, relievers there. And Hayter is just a different animal, man. He had a 1.28 ERA last year, 33 saves, an all-star nod. I mean, he's been that guy for a while. He had a, a little bit of a weird 2022 where he wasn't great with the Brewers, was kind of bad with the Padres, what? but really found his form last year. And we, we know what he's capable of, the kind of pitcher that he can be. And that's what Houston is banking on here. And I think it's, you know, it's a little bit of a fresh wound right now, but I think as time goes on, a guy like Presley, a veteran of the game, will realize that this does make the Houston Astros a much more lethal threat in the regular season. And the, especially the playoffs, having this three headed monster in the back of your bullpen has been proven to be a successful playoff winner for many teams of the past. So the Astros are kind of digging back into an old formula. I really like the move for them. I have no real complaints. It was one of the few teams in my head that I thought made sense as kind of a perfect fit. I mean, it's an area that they can strengthen, not necessarily picking back all the middle relievers that they had to resign and so they can let those guys go, put all the money into one pool, and that pool is Josh Hader. I will be curious as well to see if this is kind of a changing of the times for Houston, right? Because they have handed out three nine-figure contracts, but those are guys they extended in-house, two of whom are Altuve and Bregman. They're both up after this year. Then right. the year after that, you've got Fromber, who's going to hit free agency for the first time ever. Same with Kyle Tucker. So does Crane now start opening his wallet more? This is going to be the first year that he's going to go over the CBT. It happened as well in 2020, but that got washed away because of the pandemic. So is this now going to be a consistent thing? Is he going to be handing out a $200 million deal to somebody for the first time? Or is he going to start to have a changing of the guard, and you're going to see totally different faces leading this franchise moving forward? I think it's going to be something really, really fascinating to watch over the next couple of years. Definitely. And they're going to be... It's hard to think that Altuve will ever wear a different uniform other than yeah. Houston Astros. Bregman, I, I can see there's a lot of interest there already. There were teams that were mm -hmm. thinking about trading for him. But yeah, the Astros have been roughly the same kind of core for almost 10 years now. And mm -hmm. it's very interesting to see how this is going to develop going into the season. Because, you know, there is a an off chance in a world where maybe they are underwhelming in 2024. And then you're looking at, well... There's a ton of really good trade pieces on that team, hypothetically. There is there is that world. I don't think it'll happen because they're just the big bad Astros. They're always going to be there until they're not. But when does that time come? We'll see. Yeah, and Dana Brown, part of the reason he was brought in was to revamp that farm system. Easy way to do it is to trade some big names. I'll just leave you with this one quote from Dana Brown at the winter meetings. He said, I'm not interested in overpaying in the free agent reliever market. Mm -hmm. We'll see if he did or it's did. telling. Okay. Uh, I, I can't believe I'm reading this. Jolly Olive was the first to report.
report that reliever Robert Stevenson was heading to the Angels. It ended up being a three-year, 33-ish million-dollar deal. So, con- by the way, congratulations to you. Thank you. Appreciate Is that the it. first time you broke a little news? I mean, I, I got a little tip at winter meetings about a minor league deal for the Pirates, and I, I sent that off as kind of a funny thing. Like, why, you know, so specific. Why would you know that? And I got a little MLB trade rumors article. That was fun. This was a much larger scale. So I was really nervous sending it out. Like, you know, it's a, it's a person I trusted. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, well, if I'm wrong, I've seen reporters be wrong very mm. recently. Uh, there's no holds barred. If you if you report something and it's not credible information, people will go after you. Uh, but luckily, after a half hour waiting, uh, the Robert Murray report came in and I got my kudos. Uh, so it was fun. I don't think I'll ever do it again, though. Don't say that. Don't say because <laughs> once you get a little taste of that, yeah. it might be hard. You know, that's a that's a pretty big high that Jolly Olive was. Did enough people give you credit for it? By the way, I think so. Robert Murray. Uh, it was actually a really funny interaction. He was actually at a bachelor party when he got the tip that Stevenson signed. Uh, so he sent off a quick tip and then you know got off his phone. A lot of people got upset with him that he didn't credit me. He DM'd me later apologizing uh, and it was oh. a total you know misunderstanding kind of thing. We actually met at winter meetings. He's a terrific guy, and then he did a. Uh, later give me credit which was which was a cool moment for sure very cool and by the way that's a really really good reliever that the angels just signed on yeah. uh, he got traded mid-season from the pirates to the rays had a 235 era over 38 in the third inning also struck out 60 and walked just eight so that's good for them uh angels fans definitely need some good news but i want to shift the focus a little bit anthony rendon who really doesn't speak to the media very much at all ended up doing the podcast of one Jack Vita, and I apologize, Jack, if I'm mispronouncing your name. I don't know if it's Vita, Vita. I would like to meet you in person and apologize if I'm butchering that. But anyway, Jack did ask Anthony Rendon, if you could change one thing about baseball, what would it be? And here's his answer. I'm going to say something very lighthearted so I don't get in trouble. Uh, we got to shorten the season, man. It's too many dang games. 162 games in 185, three days, whatever it is. Man. No, <laughs> we got to shorten this bad boy up. Let's go. Rendon took a lot of crap, particularly on social media for that. Should he be? Um, It's it's tough because it's not like Rendon is, you know, a role player or something like that. You know, he's, he's one of the highest paid players in the sport. He's top five in terms of his lump sum value. And that's not what you want to hear from someone you've invested a lot of money in. Even if it it is, like he said, you know, something lighthearted, maybe he didn't mean it fully he was kind of laughing it off in the clip uh context is everything but when the text is written out it's an ugly looking quote especially when there's no real other news to talk about this kind of thing is going to get a lot of attention and Rendon's done this in the past he, he with the with the nationals he had a couple of you know funny interview moments he said they he doesn't particularly enjoy watching the sport of baseball which is again when you watch the clip it's it's a much different cadence a much different tone uh but at the same time you know, you can point to a handful of examples now of Anthony Rendon kind of brushing aside the game of baseball, which is his profession. And you, you have so many other guys in his echelon that eat, sleep, and breathe the sport. It's everything they do in the offseason and all that. Um, so I, I do think he deserves the crap he's getting a little bit. Obviously, you know, this, this won't be a, a huge factor a month from now. It's just a story that's running its cycle. But at the same time, like, when's the last time that Rendon played 148 games, the number that he suggested. When's the last time he hit that number? I believe it was 2019, which is coming up on five years ago. 
So this is just the last thing you want to hear from that kind of guy earning that kind of money playing that kind of game. So it, it, it's a tough situation for Angels fans. I'm glad, like you said, that they got the Stevenson signing, something to smile about, uh, because they still are stuck in the mud of this Anthony Rendon contract with no end in sight. So He is the poster child for what has gone wrong out there in Anaheim. And yeah. he's one of the bigger reasons, it feels like, why Trout and Otani haven't or never will play together in a playoffs, right? Sure. You yeah. pay a guy $245 million and he just isn't available. In fact, over the last three years, he has played in 30% of the Angels' games. That's simply not good enough. And so everybody was saying, well, of course you want a shorter season because you still won't hit that benchmark. Now, part of the reason I, I wanted to dig up the podcast and actually listen to the clip instead of just read the quote was because I didn't see him quoted as, you know, I'm just joking around a little right. bit. This is kind of lighthearted. He said that at the beginning. So he put that out, you know, at the beginning, which I thought was smart on his part. Um, I understand people wanting to take shots at him. I have in recent years because I just feel like, yeah, he doesn't love it. And he hasn't been accountable at times. Yeah. I will say this. I agree with him, Jolly. I yeah. actually think we do need shorter baseball seasons. Okay. And I've been on this train for a while. For whatever reason, and I and I don't I have to first admit I don't have a perfect answer for this. Um the season is too long. And we have to realize as a sport when people's interest will peak with the baseball season. Mm. And once again, I don't have a perfect answer sure. because you can't start the season right after football season, right? right? You can't get it going the day after the Super Bowl because the weather will not allow it. So, and we're not ever going to get down. We're never going to lose games because there's too much of a stake in it for ownership and players. Nobody's going to be willing to give back money. So I know this isn't going to happen. But man, could you imagine a 120-game regular season? How much you would have to force your viewing habits You were if you were just kind of a casual viewer? Like, you and I are going to watch every game regardless. Right. Of course. Right? And yeah. pe people who are diehards listening to this show want to watch as much baseball as they can. But that's not it. You already have us. We are there for life. We yeah. might get pissed off at some of the rules changes and this and that and the other thing. We ain't going anywhere. So how do we help grow the sport? And I think part of it is making it a more immediate sport. Okay. I, I understand less is more in, in the context of that argument. And you know what? You're speaking to a Mets fan. If the season is 120 games, I think the Mets have like 10 more NL East titles. So it appeals to that side of me too. If the season <laughs> ends earlier, we're good. No more September sounds great. Right. Uh, but even outside of the money aspect that you mentioned between owners and TV deals and all that with the amount of games, uh, baseball is also a, a sport where the fandom, uh, it really uh, heightens the importance of records and counting mm -hmm. stats and all those things. And when you take away a chunk of the season, there are so many records that will be confirmed to be unbroken forever between home run records and hit streaks and all that kind of it's thing. So I think that plays a factor into the diehard fan uh, mentality as well. And it's also just a fact of, I think a lot of baseball fans, a lot of diehard baseball fans pride themselves on, on 162. The fact that we have the longest regular season of that, you know, you really need to build your team smartly and starting pitchers need to eat innings to to get through the grind of a six-month regular season so i think 
that all plays into it. But it, it goes conversely too, because think about, you know, the health of players. Think about, you know, starters would only need to make 20 starts instead of 30 starts in this hypothetical stretch. Um, so it, it's an interesting discussion to have. I just think that we're we're too far gone at this point. You know, we had a 60 game season and, you know, that was obviously because of circumstance, but people completely brush that season aside. Now they pretend like it doesn't exist. Even the world series winner from that year, they have to try and validate themselves Mm -hmm. uh, as, as it being a real season. And I think even if you double that number and you make it 120 games, fans will still put an asterisk on it for the first few years of it. It'll take a lot of adjusting uh, to get used to. So it's, it's a whole can of worms of baseball fans, but I do agree. If you, if you're trying to grow the sport and heighten the importance of the regular season, less would be more in context of that. Uh, I just don't foresee it ever happening. No, I don't either. I don't either. And and like I said, at the beginning of my diatribe on it, I don't have a perfect answer for it. Right. But I don't think there is a perfect answer. I think it would be fun to see one year where it's like between 120 and 130 and see how everything about the way we feel about the game changes. I, I listen, you were dead on with the whole records thing. I think that's more that hits more than just the diehard fan. I think yeah. Aaron Judge trying to break the American League home run record a couple of years ago appealed to the casual fan. Right. I mean, it really did. It got him involved in something. And you're like, oh, yeah, Aaron Judge, like, this is cool. So uh, it's not happening. I just wanted to. Sorry, Anthony Rendon. You'll have to try something else. Okay. This one is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. And all you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code baseball today. New customers can bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code baseball today. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, The Red Sox had their fan fest this weekend. And it was, I think, in a word, interesting, to say the least. I want you to listen to the reaction uh, as the Sox architects were introduced. Please welcome to the set Red Sox president and CEO Sam Kennedy and Chief Baseball Operations for the new year, Greg Rizzo. Not exactly uh, overwhelming enthusiasm. Oh my the fans God. On. The question is, did they deserve it? Um... Man, I mean, would you would you believe that they won a World Series as recently as 2018 and they were in the ALCS as recently as 2021? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think they were in a very easy situation to not be booed like that. The Red Sox have not exactly been the Red Sox the past, I'd say, three years. Um, they, at least in my brain, they were always looked at as a serious free agent threat year in and year out. Uh, from my upbringing, the way they were able to bring in talent and trade for talent and stuff like that. And uh, it just hasn't been the case. Uh, I, I really, I look at this team on paper right now and I, I'm not 
you know, nothing is jumping out to me, really. The rotation is still kind of a homegrown mess. They added Lucas Giolito. We'll see what happens there. Um, But I still have the Red Sox finishing in last uh, in the American League East next year. And I think a lot of their fans probably agree with me. There's not enough talent on this roster to really compete with a potent division. Um, So I do think, you know, Boston fans, they they have that reputation of they, they live breathe and sleep Boston sports. And it's been a very, very good couple decades for Boston sports. And that also means you raise the bar. You've raised the standard of what the Red Sox should be with all of your recent success. Um, So that kind of reaction, I'm not exactly surprised by it. And deserved is a tough word because I don't think, you know, people deserve to get booed unless there's a, a very good reason if they're, if they're committing mean or heinous acts or whatever. If it comes down to just not spending enough money, I think it's a different discussion, but frustration is boiling. You know, I don't, I don't think that's any secret whatsoever. So I'm, I'm not shocked. And I, I guess that uh Red Sox fans are, are being honest with their reception of the team these past three years. I feel a little bit for Craig Breslow. I don't know him at all, but he's been on, on the point. job. He's been on the job two months now and he's already <laughs> getting booed at FanFest. What else are fans supposed to do? Like, this is their opportunity. Basically, you could have your voice heard two ways. You can go to a fan fest and boo when certain guys get introduced when, you know, in your opinion, they're not doing their job. And the other way is don't buy the product. Don't buy the product. But you can't tell Boston fans to not go to Fenway. No, no, no. You're a dog. Okay. I'm with you. But I think part of the argument from Red Sox fans, if I'm reading this right, is that the Red Sox organization is happy to just sell the Fenway experience. Yeah. And A, come hang out. Beautiful night in Massachusetts. You can watch the sunset. You can drink beer. I mean, Rosie. You can listen to our songs and (laughs) dance together. Like, that's, that's not good enough for Red Sox fans, and it shouldn't be. Right. You're absolutely right. And I mean, I think the reason why Red Sox fans might get scared at that notion is because we've seen a team like the Colorado Rockies who used to put together pretty solid teams, really fun offenses, completely nosedive and lean into you're buying the course field experience. You're not there for much else because this Rockies team going into 2024 is one of the worst rosters I've seen assembled in the 21st century. And I'm not saying that the Red Sox are there yet, but that is the kind of direction you head in if ownership sees that they can spend no money and still make the same amount of money year in and year out because of the experience of going to the park and all those things. Uh, So you know what? Yeah, I do think they have a right to boo because there is a standard set in Boston, uh, not only baseball, but in all sports. And if you're not matching that standard, you're not doing your job properly. Well, at Breslow's introductory news conference back in November, Tom Warner, you know, one of the managing partners came out and said, we're going full throttle here. And then this weekend he had to defend himself. He said, well, full throttle to me means we're going to use uh, our full allotment. We're going to do trades. We're going to bring young guys up. That's through not minor what full throttle system. means. Right. Full <laughs> throttle means, hey, motherfucker, we're going. Like, we are going for it. Yeah, and that's not that what back. they've done. So on top of everything else, there's a mixed message to Boston. Yeah. And what else have we seen in re- recent years? They've traded a future Hall of Famer in Mookie Betts. And they got very little for him now. They let Xander Bogarts walk. Like, these are things that the Red Sox fans are accustomed to. Like, this is is how small market teams operate. Not big, powerful, multi-time world champion this century sort of teams. And all I can tell you is, welcome to the club. Yeah, I was going to say, you're in in the majority now, believe it or not. Um, 
And I mean, they, they've been in the, the race for like guys like Yamamoto and other free agents. But have they though? Really? That's like, what I'm saying. Like, they're, they have not been close to the highest bid. And I think that's the, the larger story here. Them acting like they don't have the money to spend here when they have the only big contract they've handed out has been Giolito. And that's, you know, that's money there. But at the same time, this is the Boston Red Sox. They can swing right. a big deal to turn the outlook of the season around. And I think they're, uh, they're really banking on money already spent. I think they're really hoping that Trevor story turns in a good right. season and that Vaughn Grissom is good up the middle with him, but there's more they can do and they're very much not doing it. And I think that's the message being sent. Last place, three of the last four years for the last five, they have missed out on the postseason part. Yeah. Okay, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame announcement comes Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Adrian Beltre is a lock. Huge. And then things get pretty interesting after that. What are you most closely watching tomorrow? Well, last time I was on the show, we talked about Billy Wagner uh, being uh -huh. the guy that I think we both wanted uh, in there. Um, as a Mets fan, uh, part of me is hoping that David Wright makes it to his next ballot. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet a lot of money on it. Uh, so I think Wagner is definitely the biggest storyline here. Uh, I was hoping this would be a year for Andrew Jones to to climb up there a little bit too. Um, but it looks like Beltre is probably going to be the only one uh, that gets inducted. Mm -hmm. Last time I checked the percentages, I don't have the up-to-date ones. Actually, I'm looking for them right now. Oh, I think that I think Joe Maurer's getting in, and I think Helton is probably getting in. Is the okay, way good. it's trending, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Let's see. I'm going to pull up Fangrass right now just so we know um, for sure. Yeah, so right now Beltrace sits at ninety point eight percent, which is awesome for a first ballot. That's pretty incredible. I think I, you know, he didn't hit a particularly strong ballot, but that's still great. Uh, Mauer's at eighty one point one percent, and then Todd Helton at seventy three point seven percent. Wagner dropped off a little bit, down to sixty four percent. But I mean, that's the biggest thing for me because if Wagner doesn't get in this year, he's going on year ten. Uh, Gary Sheffield is another big storyline because he is on year 10. And right now, as of this moment, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's one of the more fringe cases. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's there's some serious talent coming to the ballot in the next few years. So it's big for these fringe guys that a lot of fans, a lot of diehard fans want to get in because if this isn't the year, it's only going to get harder for them to get crowdsourced votes from here on. Um, so I'll be interested to see how this ends up. I, I think Beltre is the lock. And I, it's cool to say that Adrian Beltre as the first ballot Hall of Famer, because he's one of these rare careers where his age 20 through 30 seasons do not seem like a Hall of Fame career whatsoever mm -hmm. between that five-year contract with the Mariners that kind of gets lost. And then he goes to Texas after that pillow contract here with the Red Sox and is just fantastic throughout his 30s. And that's where he really makes his case. And I think that's very cool because you can't point to a lot of players uh, that have done that before. So I'm very excited for him. I think he deserves it. Yeah, I think that Beltre is going to be the case of, wow, not all Hall of Famers are built the same. You're right. right. Some guys come out of the gate and they are on fire and then they limp toward the finish line and that hurts them uh, a la Andrew Jones. And right. then there's some guys, the rare case of an Adrian Beltre who just explodes the last 10 years of his career and will ride that all the way into Cooperstown. For me, it's the one guy that you, you mentioned. It's Gary Sheffield. Yeah. In his last year of eligibility on this, you know, he was in the Mitchell Report but he was staunch in his own defense. He said, why didn't Congress call me? They're talking to a bunch of guys who are pretending mm. they can't speak English. I want to defend myself. And he has held firm with that entire story. Um, it was interesting. I did a Hall of Fame roundtable recently on the Rose Rotation with Lavelle Neal, 
who writes for the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Susan Slusser, the San Francisco Chronicle, and my old buddy Ken Davidoff, who used to write for the New York Post. They all still, you know, they all vote for the Hall of Fame and have for all of them over 15 years. And Susan Slusser says, listen, I've always voted for guys who are at least linked to steroids. I've had no problem doing it. And she's like, Sheffield, to me, was an easy choice. Now, some people will point that he wasn't just bad defensively. He was atrocious defensively. Right. Like he's going to, if he goes in, it's going to be one of the worst defenders ever. Some people will say he played for too many teams. He played for eight or nine teams. Like that shows something. Um, I don't know, man. All I can tell you is that dude scared the hell out of third base coaches. Right. Like third base coaches would line up 50 <laughs> feet behind third base. They didn't care if they were out of position to go coach. Why? Because that dude was going to hit the ball as hard as anybody in the sport. And I get it with the defense. I understand it. You know, the metrics, they have really dominated over the last decade and kind of given us a clear vision of the player in totality. And I do think that's important. But when you have a guy with a bat in his hand that could do the sort of damage that he did, to me, that's a Hall of Famer. I just looked at him and I was like, I don't even care what the stats are. And the stats back it up. Like he, whoo. I mean, Ferocious. even if you want to, even if you want to play the war game, you can. If you take out his D war and he is only a DH for his yeah. entire career, which I know, I know, DH is in the Hall of Fame, whatever. He's an eighty war DH. Like mm -hmm. that's a, that's a sizable number. Sixty is the benchmark, yep. which is what he's at right now, even with the bad defensive numbers dragging him down. Um, so I I do think that he deserves it, and he's he's right under it right now. He's seventy four point three percent on the ballots right now. Yep. It's Wagner held, and I got the numbers a little wrong before. Uh, Beltre is 99%, Maurer and Helton around 83, 82, and then Wagner 78. Um, so he's right there. He needs a little bit of a push. And we'll, yeah, but those usually it, go but, the other direction. Charlie. I know. They, that's, once, once you count all the ballots, it usually goes down. It usually doesn't go up, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We will. All right, before we get out of here, uh, former San Francisco Giants skipper Gabe Kapler, he's now working in the Marlins uh front office and my guess is hasn't been very busy based on the fact that they have not signed a free agent the entire off season but uh gabe has been active on social media and gave us this one recently if you're trying to decide whether you're going to walk somewhere or uber or drive and google maps says it's going to take you 10 minutes via car it's probably about right but if it tells you it's going to take 15 or 17 minutes to walk that same distance it could be wrong all you have to do is walk fast, and maybe you're cutting that down by three, four minutes. So don't let that make you get in the car. Just walk faster. Okay, Gabe, I'm going to say this as a guy who's right around your age, but certainly not anywhere close to your fitness level. If it takes 10 minutes to drive somewhere, and you think it takes 16 or 17 minutes to walk that same distance, yeah, bro, you and I are built different. I'm sorry, like 10 minutes in L.A., that covers several miles here, maybe depending on traffic, you know, three miles. I'm not walking three miles in 16 or 17 minutes. Sorry. I've never met Gabe Kapler. Okay. Was was, was that a bit? I don't – was that like him being like Gabe, sarcastic? Like, I, I think Gabe is as uh, interesting as they come. He's very serious. Right. He's very serious about his health. Like, yeah. this is a dude who used to, um, he enjoyed chocolate, and he would put, like, a Hershey's Kiss or something in his mouth, and he'd swish it around, and he wouldn't swallow it. He would spit everything out, 
so that he didn't get all the bad stuff in his butt. I'm like, dude, what? You gotta what be you, you gotta be built a little bit different. All all that clip made me do is just think about the 2021 Giants uh, that won 107 games and and what those clubhouse meetings were like. What was Gabe Kapler saying to that team day in and day out? Was it allegories like the one that I just heard? Because if that, that's the case, the Marlins might be due for a, a terrific season. Maybe that's why they're not signing any talent. They have they have everything they need with Gabe Kapler. Um, I have no other thoughts other than that. Well, listen, it was great catching up with you. Uh, keep up the great work as always. I'll be seeing you sometime soon for warehouse games. Uh, by the way, don't aren't you on the captain's league? I am. I'm a, I'm a captain in the captain's league. The first game comes out tonight. It's ball and play, which you were there to watch me win with the hook line sinkers. Yes. Uh, I'm leading my good fellows into battle against Jack Doyle and the Rippers. Very good. Well, have fun with that. Uh, two other notes. Vinny Pasquantino back on the Woo! Rose rotation. He's great. He's just so funny. He's got amazing stories from his wedding. Uh, make sure you tune into that. And then, as we told you last week, Baseball Today will be going live. We're not exactly sure when, but we're going to do that on our JM Baseball channel. Uh, We're going to try and keep that right around 11.30 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Pacific, but that might dance around. We'll always let you know on social media. So we are looking forward to interacting with everybody back in the chat. That's going to be a blast. That's great news. Jolly, thanks as always for filling in. We appreciate it. Your thoughts are always uh, provoking and and well thought out. In fact, you're way smarter than anybody that is Come on, on the show. So just gonna let you know. Appreciate you, uh, for our one of a kind producer Dan Rourke and the uber talented and intelligent Jolly Olive filling in for Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. We will see you later this week on Baseball Today.